Hey, you, you already heard, uh, Trent had some of our students up here, our graduating seniors. We kind of have a rarity around here in that our seniors get to graduate three times on Sunday morning, right? Three different services, so they don't all attend every service. Um, thankful for those who are in each of our services. A couple of our students are actually um, in New York, on Long Island in New York, with our missions pastor, Lee Hedrick. His wife, Melinda, who is a school teacher at East Davidson High School. Um, Josh Klein, who's also a high school uh, a coach and teacher at East Davidson. They're all a part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes Advisory Council, and two of our students, Kinsley Reedy and Kobe Warwick, are there um, for a mission trip. And, and in all honesty, to me, it's a best of both worlds this morning. We have our students that are here celebrating graduation, but we also have students that are, are doing what we want students to do when they graduate. Um, and I can't think of a better place to have some of our students on graduate weekend than out sending and out sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. Um, so I think that's a tremendous testimony, a great opportunity for them through their school, through our missions group working together. They're also serving with Brian Edinger. Some of you know Brian. If you've lived in Thomasville for a long time, Brian used to teach high school science here, was the state teacher of the year for several for one year. Um, uh, numerous years ago, Brian felt God calling him to go um, to plant churches, and he is planting churches on Long Island, New York. And so students from his former school where he taught are now there helping him lead people to Jesus Christ. And you help support him monthly so that he can stay there and do that. So that's a win for everybody, right? I mean, that's a complete picture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love seeing all that come together. Um, this is also an important month because we recognize our seniors in high school, but we also recognize our senior adults. Um, we had senior adult um, Saturday, which was May 5th, um, and on that day we recognized Miss Joyce Bullard. And Joyce um, won what is recognized with our senior adults as the senior adult of the year. Uh, and she was able to be here. I had some of her, 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 her son was here. Her grandchildren were here. And really that's a recognition from our senior adults of the church to say this person represents Christ and is an incredible servant within our church and our community. Uh, and here's what I want to say about Joyce and about our senior adults. I don't get to do this very often. Uh, but our senior adults, the reason why Graduate Sunday takes place, the reason why Awana graduation took place a week and a half ago, the reason why child, uh, children's choir, preschool choir, the reason why all those things are a part of the mission and the DNA of Rich Fork is because there's a group of senior adults who believe that the mission of Jesus Christ is more important than their personal needs. And I don't know if you realize how much a rarity that is, but there are few churches that pastors have a senior adult group who is behind them saying, let's lead the charge in casting vision and passing that on to future generations to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a part of a church that has that group of people. And you need to celebrate that and know that that exists all around you as a church. <clears throat> For, for 100, almost 140 years, that's been taking place at Rich Fork, so uh, quite a long time. Not, none of those people are in the group right now, but sorry. Some of you will grab that later on. All right, now, the next thing I want to do is I want to thank some of you before I tell you and ask you what I need you to do. Isn't that a nice way to butter you up? All right, so I want to thank you for volunteering in our preschool and children's ministry this summer. All right, a lot of you go on vacation, a lot of you serve in our preschool, a lot of you serve in our children's area. 
Um, and we just have a huge need this summer. We're in search. We're in the middle of searching for and in the process of interviewing and searching for a, a children's minister. But in that meantime, that means there's several volunteers on Sunday morning. There's a group of people on Wednesday nights, and there's a group of people working with Windshape, Summer of the Arts, and Summer VBS that are all working together, and we need some more hands. We need some more feet. Uh, we need some folks who are willing to say, you know what, senior recognition was awesome but you know what it takes place is countless volunteers for years who have volunteered in these younger ages to bring these students to that point uh, so we just need you this summer um, if you go to richfork.com and you just scroll down on the far left you're going to see summer volunteer opportunities some of those are for an entire week some of those are for a couple days some of those are sunday morning some of those are sunday night um, well, we just have a, a myriad of needs of ways that you can serve. Next Sunday, Lee Hedrick, our missions pastor, is going to be walking through a lot of other ways that you can be going and ways that we need you to go. They're going to give you opportunities to respond next Sunday as well. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to express interest, you'll go there, click on that. It'll, you'll have an opportunity to fill out a form. One thing you'll need to know, um, two things you'll need to know. Uh, yes, you do have to fill out a, 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 a background check. And you also do have to be a church member for most of those moments where you have to be with our children. And that's for two reasons. One, for physical safety. Two, for spiritual leadership. We want to make sure the people that are with our children are there, that are safe with them, but are also entrusting the right messages with them spiritually. So we need you to do that. So thank you ahead of time for sitting in your car as soon as church is over, clicking on the link, filling it out, volunteering. Got it. All right. If you forgot all of that, K-I-D-S at richfork.com. That's all you got to remember. Just type that into your phone. That's the email address and say, I'd like to volunteer. I'm not sure how, and we'll get you connected. All right? Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to dig into your word. Um, God, just thank you for the opportunities we have already had, the challenges that it's presented to us through your word. And may we see today that this is not motivational this is biblical commands that are coming across from your word to our hearts, to our lives, to our generations. This is a heavy message this morning with a lot weighing in the balance. And so may we see that today for what it is in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick, quick, quick question, survey. How many of you purposely set your alarm to wake up for the royal wedding? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You, you woke up. You watch the royal wedding. All right, I got a couple young ladies. All right, you're dreaming big, right? You're like, oh, that's heavenly. Okay, a couple of others. And Connor. <laughs> Thank you, Connor. All right. Um, we'll talk later, okay? Uh, in case you, <laughs> second service, somebody went, who got married, right? Uh, Harry and I think her name's Megan. All right, the Duke now and Duchess of Sussex, England. Um, just so you know, you have a better chance of winning the lottery by not playing than them becoming king or queen. Just wanted you to know that. The, the generations and the number of people that have to die in order for them to ever be king or queen, it's not going to happen. So I hope you enjoyed royalty. That will never be royalty, all right? Um, I did not get up and watch it, and here's why. I didn't get invited. I didn't get to save the date. I didn't get one of those things in the mail because now when people get married, they don't send you an invitation first. They send you a card that says save the date. 
and it tells you when the date's going to happen, maybe where it's going to be, just announces you. And what it does, here's what it does. It reaches into your future, grabs a hold of your calendar, so that when you get the invitation, you can put it on there, match it up, send in your RSVP. They're really hoping for less than the people that invited, all right, because food's expensive. And they wait for the RSVP, they collect it all together, and that's who's coming to the party. That's who's coming to the wedding. But we don't send those save the dates, thankfully, for every single party. We don't have to send those to your birthday party, to your graduation parties. You just send out an invitation. And here's why people do that. They send out the save the date to prepare people that there's a big event coming. And today I want to ask you a couple questions in reference to a big event that's coming. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. We're going to come back to these two questions at the end, but I want you to have these in your mind as we walk through the morning. And they're related to a party. Two questions. Are you coming to the party? Are you coming to the party? And you're going, what party? We'll explain it. Are you coming to the party? I mean, it's not Memorial Day cookout. You can come to that too, right? Are you coming to the party? I can tell you this as we get into the party talk a little bit later on the message. Everybody who comes to this party is royalty. Everybody who comes to this are heirs of a king. Second question I want you to be thinking about as we walk through our message this morning is who are you bringing with you to the party? Who are you bringing with you to the party? Are you coming to the party? And who are you bringing with you to the party? These questions are going to be imperative as we bring this to a close this morning as we talk about something that we talk about periodically as a church, and it's called making disciples. If you are new to Rich Fork, about every four, five, maybe six weeks, you hear a message or a sermon that talks about disciple making. And here's why. It's because that's our command. It's what Jesus left with his disciples. He had a group of 12 guys who traveled with him, who watched him, who saw him perform miracles, saw all these things take place for three and a half years. Do you realize how perfect and sinless Jesus was to live with 12 people who did not have it all and were asking questions and he never sinned? Anybody in the room have kids and they ask you questions for a day They're asking questions for three and a half years, and he never sins. He says, you guys travel with me. Live with me. Watch the miracles. See the pushback when those, the adversaries, come come my way. See the miracles. See me bring people from death to life. Be with me and watch. Because you're also going to see me crucified. These disciples, this group, was going to see Jesus crucified. They, they knew of the adversary. They knew it was coming after him. And some of them dissipated and stepped off the map for a while. They find themselves, Jesus is crucified. They find themselves in a house locked away. Jesus steps in. He comes to them, and he gives them a message, and he gives them a purpose at the end of his time on earth, before he ascends into heaven. He's been crucified. He's raised from the dead. He comes to them. And he says, I've got a message to give you. And it's about being a disciple. So before we talk about being a disciple, yet again, I'm going to define what a disciple is. Again, you'll hear this often if you come to Rich Fork. A disciple is someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits him or herself to the discipline or teaching of that leader away. Very simply put, a disciple is someone who follows someone else. Someone who follows their teaching follows after them. Jesus taught 
and lived discipleship. It was not a class that Jesus offered. It was a lifestyle that he was inviting people into. And he says, disciples, you follow me. And then at the end of his time on earth, he gives them this command. Many of you are familiar with this. Some of this will be new. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We want you to be able to quote this here at Rich Fork. We also want you to be able to live this at Rich Fork. We don't want this to just be something you recognize when it comes on a screen. We want it to be something that's ingrained in your heart that's a lifestyle. Disciples make disciples. That's what Jesus is commanding them here. He says, I want you to go, and as you go, it's an imperative. It's not a suggestion, in case you were wondering. He says, I want you to go, and as you go, I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them, immerse them. And I think we can look at that as a physical baptism, but also an immersion of thought and of teaching. We can make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. He's got them surrounded, and he says, hey guys, here's the message. Here's what I want you to go do. When I leave this place, when I leave this earth, later in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he empowers them. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. But it really hinges back on this command. He says, I want you to make disciples. And I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them. I want you to teach them. And I want you to make disciples who will keep doing the same. Because disciples, if they are disciples, by nature, continue to make disciples. It's simply who you are. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are his disciple, which means you and I should be making disciples. But Jesus wasn't the first one to talk about discipleship, to disciples make disciples. In fact, we can back up, we can go a couple thousand years, we can go backward to Moses. Moses is the leader of the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy. He is giving them the information that God is giving him to speak to them, to lead them, to guide them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's a, a passage that many have called the Shema. The Jewish people have memorized it and placed it in their head so that they don't forget it. But the beginning of the Shema, before really the instruction takes place, is a, an overview of who this is to. In the De Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this. Now this is the commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going to possess it. So here's what he's saying. Hey guys, you're about to go possess a land. I'm giving you instructions on how to go about doing that. Now verse 2, I'm going to ask you a question about. So pay attention. All right, I've been on vacation, so I'm a little wired up, so you better get it right, all right? That you may fear the Lord your God, you, your son, and your son's son. Who is Moses delivering this message to directly? Anybody willing to do the patriarchal, like, addition there? Grandfathers! Nobody's gotten this right. It's not that hard. It's not a trick question. You, your son, and your grandsons. He's looking into the face of the nation of Israel, and here's what he's doing. He's addressing the patriarchs of a patriarchal society and culture. 
He's going right to the heart, right to the head of culture. And he says, you, your sons, and your grandsons. I've got instruction for you, and it's going to start at the top. But it doesn't stay at the top. It goes to the sons, and it trickles down to the grandsons. Now today, I get the privilege, my dad's here, so that this passage comes true for us, for my dad, for me, to my sons. William is graduating, so it's an awesome time for us to be together today. He says, you, your son, your grandsons. Then, he gives them instructions. Here, I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. The, the latter part of verse 2 says this. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. What did Jesus say 2,000 years later to his disciples? You go and teach them all that I have commanded you. Sounds incredibly familiar to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So for 2,000 years, you teach, you teach, you teach. Jesus, you disciple, you disciple, you disciple. Let's fast forward. Paul, the apostle, wrote many of the letters of the New Testament. At one point, he's writing to a guy by the name of Timothy. He's writing to a guy by the name of Timothy, who's a young pastor. And he's giving him words of wisdom, words of instruction. He needs them. He's young. He's experiencing all this. I won't ask you a question because you didn't get the last one right. So we'll just, just pay attention. All right, here we go. You then, my child, so it's Paul speaking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me, so now Paul's speaking, see it coming down, from me in the presence of many witnesses, another group, you entrust the faithful men, another group, who will be able to teach others also. Do you see this happening? Paul to Timothy, Timothy to a group, that group to the next group, and that group to the next group. It's called disciples making disciples. It's making disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, leading them, giving them the instructions. All these groups are included. So now we can see this morning that this idea of a disciple making a disciple is a biblical thread. It didn't just happen when Jesus said it in Matthew 28. These passages are only a few on Scripture that point to our very purpose as a church is to be disciples who make disciples, who shape our community and share the grace of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's not complicated. It's not about how good the preaching is. It's not about how good the worship is. It's not about senior adult recognition or senior and high school recognition. It is about, are we teaching, as Trent acknowledged at the end of his prayer this morning, are we teaching, are we empowering our students, our younger students, our senior adults, are we empowering you to make disciples who teach and make disciples? So let me just ask you a question before we get to our other two we posed earlier. Are you making disciples? Are you a disciple making disciple? Are you a disciple making disciple? Senior adult in the room? I'm not asking you, do you come to church? I'm not asking you, do you go on senior adult trips? I'm asking you, is there somebody in your life that you're pouring into the teachings and the commands of Jesus? Are you a disciple making a disciple? High school students, middle school students, you guys are all kind of smattered around here this morning. 
Are you a disciple making disciples? You got so many opportunities we're going to give you this summer to make some disciples. Some of the arts, wind shape, VBS. Is there somebody in your life you're looking at and you're saying, I'm pouring into what's been poured into me. It's so beautiful to watch and tough to watch as well. Every year, uh, the, the teachers who have taught our seniors get to come up here on stage with them. And in this case, I think all these teachers have been with them for at least four years. So they've been walking through this journey called making disciples with these students. They've been loving them on Sunday nights and different times and text messages. They're disciples making disciples. You may be a group leader. Are you a disciple making disciples? You may be a mission trip traveler. That's awesome. But are you pouring the teachings of Jesus into the life of someone else who can duplicate it? A wanna volunteer, wind-shaped volunteer, parent. Are you a disciple making disciples? How many in this room have ever helped someone learn how to ride a bike? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on. It's not a trick question. You guys are so shy this morning. Ever taught saw, saw somebody how to ride a bike? Here's how you do it. You get them out in the yard, on the driveway, get them on the bike, rip off the training wheels, sit on the seat, put on the helmet, let them go. No. It's not how it works. Some of you are going, yeah, that's how it worked for me. <laughs> it's not how it works, okay? But see, here's what happens. The child's two or three. They got the little tiny bike with the training wheels. I mean, you really don't need training wheels. You're six inches off the ground, but you got them anyway. And you got the training wheels, and your, your kids are learning. They're, they're figuring out how to pedal. And then a little bit older, they get a little bit older. Their bike gets a little bit taller, it's got the handlebars, all the cute little things on there. I know a lot of kids don't ride bikes anymore, but some kids do, all right? And you've got, you got a bike, and, and you've got them out there. And then they get to the point where they have bikes that have the big training wheels, and so they're learning, they're kind of off balance. And at some point, they, you look at them, and they look at you, and you realize, hey, today's the day. And so here's what you do. You, you reach down, and you take a wrench, and you take those little things off, and you get out in the driveway. Uh, for some reason, it always tends to be 100 degrees. You're already sweating. They're nervous, and you, you get out there. And you grab a hold of them. You grab a hold of maybe the handlebar, the bottom of the seat, and you start going down the driveway like 10 feet, right? And they're wobbling. You back up, back up. Let's try it again. You go a little bit further. You're pouring sweat, right? And you're thinking this is never going to end. And at some point, you, 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 you go a little bit further, and you ho just hold on and run with them, right? And then they're ready. You come back, you back up, you put your hand on the seat, you run just a few steps, and you let them go. And sometimes they make it 10 feet and they fall over. Sometimes you back up and you try it again, and a few times, a few dozen times, but there's that one time you grab them by the seat of the chair and you let them go and they head down the driveway. Church, Disciple-making is not bringing someone to church, leading them to Jesus, handing them a Bible, and sending them home. Disciple-making, that's called making a convert. It's not what Jesus asked us to do. Jesus asked us to make disciples, meaning disciple 
grab a hold of the spiritual seat with somebody that you love, that you care about, that's far from Jesus, that doesn't love Jesus, that doesn't know Jesus. Grab a hold of the seat with them and you put them on some spiritual training wheels and you walk up and down the spiritual driveway and you guide them a little bit further. And one point in their lives, they start asking questions about Jesus and you lead them into an understanding of who Jesus is and you reach back one day and you run down the spiritual driveway and you let them go and they go make disciples and they're going to fall and they're going to mess up they're going to scratch their knees spiritually speaking they're going to sin they're going to need you to be there for them biblical discipleship does not happen at a distance it is biblical it happens from deuteronomy and we're going to see it has a purpose in revelation disciple making is an imperative for every single one of us in this room who claim to be a follower of Jesus. Some of us need to grab some folks by the spiritual seat and say, I will walk with you spiritually even when you fail. Even when you don't get it. Even when you think you're ready and you're not. Because I'll be a disciple who will teach you, who will train you, who love you, who forgive you, because that's what I've experienced. Now go and do likewise. 2018, that's the church. For 2,000 years, that's the purpose of the church, is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who bring glory to God. This is who we are. This is not optional equipment, Rich Fork. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this, disciple-making is not a deal that we make with God. It is a command given by God to us. So why is this so important? Why am I spending all this time? you got those two questions in your mind, right? Why are we spending all this time about disciples making disciples? Here's why. Because there's a party. There is a party in Scripture. There's a party outlined in Scripture for us that is defined by this, that one day in heaven there's going to be a party and it is going to take part and those who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ, surrendered themselves to the grace of Jesus Christ, are going to be at a party. Are you going to the party? Revelation chapter 7 says this about the party, verse 9 through 12. Let me give you a picture of the party. You don't seem very impressed so far, so let me impress you with what Scripture says about the party. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Scripture saying there is going to be a party. Here's what the party looks like. 
It is going to be in the presence of a holy God and all of his attributes, love, joy, fulfillment, peace, no worries, no fears, no sickness, no tears. And there's going to be so many people there. Are you going to be there? There's only one way to this party. And whether you're a senior in high school or a senior adult or somewhere in between, you need to know the way to this party. There's only one way to this party, and it is through acknowledging that you have sinned and you need a Savior, and it is Jesus. Now, I know sin is not a top popular topic. Nobody wants to admit wrong. The Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God has given us a gift. In Christ Jesus. Are you coming to the party? Have you given your lives to Jesus Christ? It requires us to trust in God, surrender our wills to His, and believe in the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Man, I want you at this party. Paul says this in Romans. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Read that with me. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You are coming to the party. If you've trusted in him as your savior, if you have done this, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he has been, he has re- been resurrected, you have been saved, you are going to the party. And if you're not, let me just plead with you this morning. Please understand what's not happening at the party. There's a place called hell. And while we live in a world that's full of tragedies and full of so many things that our eyes have seen and we've kind of normalized pain and suffering, let me just, all the things that heaven is, the attributes of God, love, joy, fulfillment, peace, no worries, no tears, no sickness, hell is full of all those. Pastor, why is heaven such a big deal? Because it's the presence of God and all of his attributes. I want you at this party. The other question that we've got to ask then, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he has saved you, then the other question we've got to ask of ourselves, all of us in this room, this is where it gets fun, is who are you bringing with you to the party. Who are you bringing with you to the party? Because Scripture says here, people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people are coming to the party. The party that comes through the relationship with Jesus Christ. The party that God has made a way for, that God has been saying in Deuteronomy to Revelation, you have been given the task to invite people to the party. This is why disciple-making disciples is so important. It's not just so you can look around and say, hey, I've made disciples of these folks. It's no, so that they can make disciples and they can make disciples. And so in that crowd that's described of every tribe and every tongue of every nation, 
is you. It's people from your high school. People from your family. People from your workplace. Senior adults, let me just say this lovingly and with knowing you're matured in your wisdom. From Deuteronomy to Revelation, there's a call for the wiser and the more mature to teach spiritual truth to younger generations. Bring people to the party. Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mother's Day was last weekend. Father's Day's coming up. I decided in the first service, I'm going to preach this again on Father's Day because there's that part there about fathers and grandfathers. So we'll just do it again on Father's Day. I'm just kidding, all right? But it would work. I hope you get a tie. I hope you get a meal out. I hope you get whatever present that you were hoping for. I hope you get a really funny card. But I don't care. If you're not making disciples of the people that God has placed under you, then your Mother's Day and Father's Day is not complete. You are not done parenting because they walk across the school stage. You are parenting them. You are maturing them. You are discipling them. Are you going to the party and who are you bringing? Seniors in high school, I want to say this with care. I, I, I hope you succeed in your college degree and I, I hope you have a great life. But I don't care what degree you get. I don't care what size house you get. I don't care what kind of loan you get. I don't care what kind of cars you get. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. I want to know that you're coming to the party and I want to know that you're bringing people with you. That's the purpose that we have in our preschool ministry, in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, in our young adult ministry, in our senior adult ministry. If you miss the gap in there, the median adult ministry, it's all one fluid, disciple-making disciples, and it has two things at the root. Are you coming to the party, and who are you bringing with you? Because by God's grace, one day I'll be standing in heaven with every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And Bailey and William and Jonathan, Sonia will tap me on the shoulder one day. And I'll say, Dad, we're here. And by God's grace, they'll say, let us introduce you to some folks we brought to the party. Well, are they your sons or your children? No, no, no. That's, they're here too. But there's some college roommates. There's some friends that I worked with. There's some people that I went to church with that had not trusted in Christ. And I invited them to the party and I shared the grace of Jesus with them and they took Jesus and they've been making disciples. Hey, Dad, let me invite you to meet your spiritual great, 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 great grandchildren. And in that moment, I will not care where my sons and daughters live. I will not care what size house they have. I want to know that they're coming to the party and they're bringing people with them. This is our calling as a church. But more emphatically, this is your calling as a disciple of Jesus. It is who you are, every one of us. Disciples who make disciples. Because one day, those who've given their lives to Jesus Christ 
are going to stand in the presence of God in all of His holiness from every tribe, every nation. Let me just expand. Every country, every county, every small town in America, every community group, every elementary school, every homeschool group, every high school group, every family, every people, every family group prayerfully will be represented in this moment. Are you coming to the party? Who are you bringing to the party?